<clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, Preston's Poetry Podcast. In the last episode, I introduced the Obad through John Donne's The Sun Rising. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I recommend going back to that one first, because today I'll be talking about a very special Obad by the living poet Torin Greathouse. I'll be really talking about how they play with the Obad form, so check out that other episode first to understand the conventions that Greathouse plays with. In any case, as a reminder, an Obad is a morning poem, like a serenade, that traditionally is set the morning after a long night with a lover. Today's poem, Obad Beginning in Handcuffs, is a beautiful play on that traditional form. It's a very new and different kind of Obad. It's kinky and leans into the eroticism of the form. First, though, I want to mention that the poem is dedicated, quote, after Sam Sachs, a queer poet that you also might want to check out after we're done. I would be interested to know how Torin came to this poem and why it's addressed to Sam Sachs, but I also can understand how the two poets might be inspired by each other. Besides just being a great poet and fellow poetry educator, one of the reasons I'm excited to feature Torin Greathouse's poem today is that they are both a living poet and transgender. It's nice for me to be able to showcase new kinds of perspectives, new poets beyond the old dead guys. Greathouse's work is experimental, pushes the boundaries, and offers a new, fresh perspective to the scene. While themes of body dysphoria and sexuality arise, there's a kind of level-headedness, a care, a tenderness in the background of the punk-style poetry. One such example is their Dancing in the Dark, which is what we call a blackout poem. Blackout poems are made from a whole paragraph, and then the poet blacks out words to edit a larger set of words to a smaller set, which functions as a new poem. It's a beautiful and heartfelt reflection on body image and, well, anyway, that's not today's poem, but just go check it out. That's Dancing in the Dark. Suffice it to say, I've become a big fan of Torn Great House. But without further ado, let's dive into this new Obad, shall we? Obad Beginning in Handcuffs by Torin A. Greathouse, after Sam Sachs. Sometimes I pronounce Obad Obeyed, for the way this particular desire stumbles the tongue. Hunger's vocabulary is a fickle thing. How many lovers have said that they adore me, but meant instead they saw in me adore? A thing to be entered. Language shifts an image like a light. To lash can mean both beat and bind. I'm lashed against the bed by dawn's red blaze. The whole room welted tidy by the sky between the blinds. To cuff can also mean to hold or harm. Each word doubled. Body and a body's shadow. I want, and all at once I flicker beneath you. I beg you to bruise me, and so exchange faggot for fruit. Oh, how gentle lust alters a body, conjugates prey into prayer. 
The history of handcuffs is as old as myth, if memory serves. The legend goes, a Greek hero invented them to steal prophecy from the mouth of a shapeshifter god, and the story gathered blood from there. The root of the word religion is a Latin verb meaning to bind, as in the worshiper is bound to their god. Two hands paired in steel or prayer. When I say obey, I mean we have chosen the softer side of every verb, dulled the sharp edge of a memory, sea glass against the tongue. For the first time, when the handcuffs steel lips unkiss my wrists as morning stains every surface a fading bruise, I am already free as the first breath after confession. This is clearly not your great-great-great-grandfather's obad. It's kinky. The very first line cleverly spins the traditional concept of the obad by mispronouncing it as obeyed, a connection to submissive and dominant sexuality. We know from the first line that this is pushing the eroticism of the obad to a new point. Great House's wordplay is clever, flirtatious, even preparatory, and penetrates the entire poem. Consider this next set of lines. How many lovers have said that they adore me, but meant instead they saw in me a door, a thing to be entered? There's the start with the rather traditional, now stale, reference to what we might expect from a love poem. How many lovers have said that they adore me? Yeah, adore. Adoration and love. Okay. But not even John Donne is that abstract and stale. What Greathouse then does is add humor and curiosity, which Dunn did not really have in his Obad. Quote, They adore me, but instead they saw in me adore? First, the play on adore. And a door, a door, is funny, but I imagine an open heart, a way in, an invitation. And yet, remember how I said Dunn is visceral, sensual? Greathouse follows in his footsteps, saw in me a door, a thing to be entered. We get stale classical verbiage, then some playful curiosity, and then a definition of a door that means something totally different in the concept of sexuality. It's like we get boring old love poem, then an odd skeptical laugh, and then this colorful yet heartbroken reduction of someone to be entered, an objectification. More wordplay and double meanings follow. Language shifts an image like the light. To lash can mean both beat and bind. The double meaning here explores both sides of the fetish. What I love about this is that it goes a step farther. It explores less vanilla sexual activity and is able then to address a wider array of expressions of human love beyond the overused cliché and both beating and binding. That includes two sides of the same act, being bound and being beaten. So that means we are talking about two people, not one, engaged in a single activity. Okay, but where's the obad element? Well, that comes in the next line. I'm lashed against the bed by dawn's red blaze. Ah, There's the lashing, 
and the red blaze of the morning sun either finds them that way or does it. Again, a play on the use of lashed by. Great House doubles down on the double entendres and double meanings. To cuff can also mean to hold or harm, each word doubled, body and a body shadow. And forward, I beg you to bruise me and so exchange faggot for fruit. Oh, how gentle lusts alters a body, conjugates prey, that's a thing being hunted, into prayer, a request to God. It's worth mentioning, too, that conjugation is a linguistic term for changing a verb to fit your subject, but it also means to be bound together in sexual union. It's even a mathematical and biological term. The line that occurred earlier, language shifts an image like the light, is really what's happening here. The morning light, which is normally typical of an obad. In this poem, some close examination of their clever use of double meaning allows their choice of language to shed new light on various possible meanings of all of these words. Then they continue about handcuffs. The history of handcuffs is as old as myth, if memory serves. The legend goes, a Greek hero invented them to steal prophecy from the mouth of a shapeshifter god, and the story gathered blood from there. Under the clasp of handcuffs, even a shapeshifting god must show their true colors. Speaking of God, they go on. The root of the word religion is a Latin verb meaning to bind, as in, the worshiper is bound to their God. Two hands, paired in steel or prayer. Now this is true. Religare in Latin means to bind. Not only do the handcuffs bind a God to show their true nature, religion is a matter of binding oneself to one's God. It both binds God and binds the believer. Now, in the midst of this sexuality wordplay of handcuffs and lashing and binding and beating, there's a sort of authenticity to the relationship here. There's a vulnerability, a playfulness. Research generally shows that people who practice, say, BDSM, are generally very aware of others' needs. They have statistically better mental health, generally are highly committal and trusting, and are highly unlikely to commit sexual crimes. How odd that a form of intimacy that clashes seemingly violently with, say, John Donne's style of sex actually turns out to be doubly as vulnerable and more visceral and more tender, more caring. Great House's poem also has a sort of activist role here, in destigmatizing and depathologizing BDSM conduct as violent. Now, anyway, I'm not some kind of advocate here. I'm only pointing out that all of this is what the poem is all about, and furthermore, that it's in the poem. This double side of pain-inducing and caring for someone is not just in research. We can even infer it textually. The poem says, When I say obey... I mean we have chosen the softer side of every verb. This is a very important line. We have chosen the softer side of every verb means that it's a matter of perspective. And they choose, well, the sweeter, more tender side. Looking back in the poem, then, at possible ambiguities, cuffing can be holding or harming, 
the softer side being holding. Seeing in them a door, a thing to be entered? No, adoring. Although it's not a verb, the rather offensive faggot is exchanged for fruit, which itself could be a softer, more mild pejorative term for a queer person, let's say. But here in context, I suspect it refers doubly to something from a tree, something sweet and natural to feast upon. The potential biblical reference to Adam and Eve here is also noted. The poem ends with the last reference to the morning sun, casting light on faint bruises already fading away. For the first time, when the handcuffed steel lips unkiss my wrists as morning stains every surface of fading bruise, I am already free as the first breath after confession. Not only do the handcuffs being unbound literally free them, the unkissing of the wrists coincides with feeling free as a first breath after confession, referencing, of course, the practice of confessing one's sins to a priest. That, too, is a very vulnerable act, telling another human being, sometimes a stranger, all the terrible things you might have done. But that experience of mercy, for many, is overwhelming. And where we might have been pressured to think of the sex in this poem as violent, harmful, uh, objectifying, there is underlying that uh, actually a mercy, a tenderness, a mutual love, and a vulnerability that we all want. Behind the binding and harming, there's a common understanding that it's not about pain or restraint, but about pleasuring another and freeing them. I think it's just brilliant how that playfulness and tenderness smiles from within and behind all of the discussion of binding and lashing here. Through this lens, you know, I've come to see it's kind of sweet, actually. Anyway, have another listen. Obad Beginning in Handcuffs by Torin A. Greathouse After Sam Sachs Sometimes I pronounce Obad obeyed, for the way this particular desire stumbles the tongue. Hunger's vocabulary is a fickle thing. How many lovers have said that they adore me, but meant instead they saw in me a door, a thing to be entered? Language shifts in image like the light. To lash can mean both beat and bind. I'm lashed against the bed, by dawn's red blaze, the whole room welted tidy by the sky between the blinds. To cuff can also mean to hold or harm, each were doubled, body and a body shadow. I want, and all at once I flicker beneath you. I beg you to bruise me, and so exchange faggot for fruit. Oh, how gentle lust alters a body, conjugates prey into prayer. The history of handcuffs is as old as myth, if memory serves. The legend goes, a Greek hero invented them to steal prophecy from the mouth of a shapeshifter god, and the story gathered blood from there. 
the root of the word religion is a Latin verb meaning to bind, as in, the worshipper is bound to their god, two hands paired in steel or prayer. When I say obey, I mean we have chosen the softer side of every verb, dulled the sharp edge of a memory, sea glass against the tongue. For the first time, when the handcuffed steel lips unkiss my wrists, as morning stains every surface a fading bruise, I am already free as the first breath after confession. If you want to try it, think of something you hide, something you do that others might not approve of. Then write a poem celebrating that. Throw in some puns. Smile while you write it. It doesn't have to be sexual. If I were to give this a try, I think I would write about loving cheese so much that I can eat a whole ball of mozzarella alone like an apple. I would write that so much care and technology has to go into making cheese, loving the complexity of stinky flavors and textures, the richness of aged, spoiled milk, how some cheeses have maggots crawling out of them, how it gets both moldy and better for it, how it's a mess to make, smells like a barn, and even causes a great portion of the world immediate digestive turmoil. I'm absolutely gluttonous over cheese, so I would push that imagery until the point that it's so rich that it's almost cringy. Like I've already mentioned, I'm really impressed at the tenderness and playfulness that shines through all the wordplay around this bondage-themed obad. That goes to say, too, I like the fact that Torin Greathouse pushed the obad form a notch further into the 21st century. After all, poetry is about the human experience. Like it or not, Sexuality and sexual play comes in a variety of forms among people. It's not something I talk about every day or even often. I couldn't have written this poem. But I love that they did. I love that it's out there. Like a window into another person's good soul. A person so very different from me, maybe even strange to me. Nevertheless, This is a brilliant obad, a brilliant morning love poem, showing the limits of poetry are boundless. Hey y'all, Preston here. Thanks for tuning in. And a big thank you to Torin Greathouse for letting me feature their poem. My favorite lines were, To lash can mean both beat and bind. I'm lashed against the bed by dawn's red blaze. Tell me your favorite lines and ask me stuff on Preston's Poetry Podcast Instagram or Facebook page or via the website, PrestonsPoetryPodcast.com. We'll see y'all.